What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can jump on, subscribe there, uh, listen to all of our podcasts, every other podcast that we have on the network. And of course, you get all of the coverage of everything, the Athletic, New Orleans and beyond, or Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, do all those good things. Uh, but it's been a little bit of a break for Jeff and I, uh, as far as doing the pod and season has ended. Uh, we know who's in the Super Bowl, but all we know that everyone is talking about, it is quarterback bonanza, uh, not Drew Brees's, uh, red beans and rice that has gone viral for, for Drew. It's more about who's going to be replacing Drew Brees and Jeff. Look, you and me have been talking about this for how many years? It feels like 10 (laughs) <laughs> because we, we've been waiting for Drew Brees to retire at some point, uh, and he hasn't officially done it yet. But, Jeff, I know you get you get the same questions as me all day, every day. Who's going to take Drew Brees' place? And that's like the hottest topic in town right now, outside of Mardi Gras, not really happening. Yeah, and uh, let's just get it out of the way right now, Larry. You, you alluded to it. I mean, Drew Brees is going to retire. Let's, let, let's make that clear. Uh, there is not a question inside the Saints – facility they are all working lockstep with drew Brees on that situation <clears throat> and they're going to make an announcement at some point but i think they want to wait give it give it a little time from the season probably give it the proper platform for that kind of announcement uh you know obviously he's the greatest player in the history of the franchise unfortunately with the covid restrictions there's not going to be some big press conference where all of his teammates are there and the big to do with the owner uh, it's not it can't happen so I would expect after the Super Bowl sometime we have that official announcement and and a Zoom conference with Drew. But the team already knows, and so they are operating as if he's not coming back. And you're right. I I don't think enough people believe Sean Payton when he says that the heir apparent is in the building. I don't know why people think Sean Payton is much more coy than he really is, right? I mean, he's being honest about this, I think, and I think he's confident. Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and I think it's going to be one of those guys and I think more than likely it's going to end up being Jameis Winston winning this job when they compete for it this offseason. Jeff and we know the names are all out there and we're going to address some of these scenarios here on the podcast Uh, but look yeah in I've uh, written about it you've written about it but specifically this week we could just start with Jameis Winston, and uh, I was able to kind of get a feel of what they've been thinking about Jameis, and uh, it was really kind of eye-opening to me. Uh, and it was also, in, in, if you go check out my column, it's up on the Athletic right now. And their feelings toward Jameis, they are very high on him, and they believe he can he can be the guy. And I think some of the points that uh, that um, I get a sense from the building from from talking to people, and I did it in bullet points in in the column. Uh, they feel like at this point he is just as good as Stafford, and they feel like he has a better ceiling. And of course, we're talking about Matthew Stafford, and that's a hot name that's out there. Uh, they love Jameis Winston's football IQ. They think Sean Payton can coach the interceptions out of him. 
Uh, they think he's in great shape. They think he's extremely coachable. Uh, you know, all of these things. And it's not going to cost much as far as assets to have Jameis. So I think that's a big piece of the puzzle where, uh, you know, people see names, this, that, and the other. Uh, look, that is a variable that in a, a cash-strapped situation that the Saints are in, uh, that, that's got to play a, a role in it as well. And I'm sure they've communicated all this to Jameis. I'm sure they have. So I, I would imagine he's going to want to come back and have this opportunity. He's going to look at that roster. He knows the roster. And they're really in good shape. Even though I know they got all these cap issues, they still have a talented enough roster, I think, to make the playoffs next year uh, once they get through with all this Mickey math in the offseason and, and get the, the cap in shape. And you know Jameis Winston is probably – uh, itching to get back and lead a team. And uh, I'm sure they've communicated it. The, the question I have, Larry, and I don't know if you've gotten a sense of this, is how do they make it work cap-wise? I mean, I assume it would be some kind of incentive-laden deal uh, because they've already, no matter what, they're going to have $27 million at minimum committed to the quarterback position on the cap with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees' money. And that's the minimum, uh, and assuming they don't trade Taysom Hill, somebody doesn't take them off off of uh, their hands. So it almost has to be something I would imagine in the ten million dollar range, cap wise, or so. They can't get too pricey with Jameis uh, to make make the rest of the math work on the roster. So that's that's the one thing I'm wondering about how they get him under contract. I do think that that is a a. a situation that we do have to monitor and we can think back to when they kept teddy bridgewater and i think he he came back for seven million he might have been offered 10 million by miami uh, but he came back for seven million but that was for one year and he wasn't going to compete for the starting job i mean so this is a different scenario but i also do think that that Jameis probably understands that the Saints are taking a little bit of a risk here and you go maybe cheaper early and if he plays well then you extend him I don't know I, I do think the contract is definitely tricky just because you don't want to commit five years to Jameis because you just don't know I mean it's the same thing like what they did with Taysom they committed two years to Taysom and are paying him quarterback money for only one of those years and it's this coming year and I do think that that is uh, a situation that I don't I don't really have a good sense of where they're going to go there. Uh, I think when we see the contract, it'll be telling of how confident they are actually in Jameis Winston. But I do think that is one of the two, three, 10, 15 variables that uh, I know on, on other podcasts, I'm sure we'll get into. But there are so many variables that they've got to take care of with the salary cap. Yeah, look, I, I'm I'm a. I understand what they're doing with Jameis Winston. You can see the talent. We all know the, you know, the arm talent he has. I'm still a little in the prove it to me side of camp with Jameis Winston. I know that Sean Payton, uh, you know, and his offense is certainly quarterback friendly, and they're going to coach him up as good as anybody can coach him up. But when the bullets are flying and you're out there in live action, I still have questions about Jameis Winston's decision-making. I know that's the big key with him. And until I see it uh, on the field, I'm always going to question whether he can be the guy to lead the team and not make those mistakes. I know they think they can coach it out. Every coach has said that with Jameis Winston since he came into the league. 
so I, I'm, I guess I'm in the kind of uh, wait and see mode with Jameis Winston. But I also understand what they're doing. To me, Larry, it looks a lot like what the Patriots did this past year. Once they moved on from Tom Brady, they had to kind of go with a transition period. They got Cam Newton in there. I think the Saints have a better roster than the Patriots. And they ha- they're going to, because of the cap implications, kind of have to go a little bit cheap this next year, I think, and kind of bite the bullet with what they've got. That's why I don't think, and we can talk about it, the, the Deshaun Watson stuff makes sense for the Saints timing-wise because of their cap restrictions. Yeah, and what, I'm with you. And he, he's got to prove it to me. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he's got to prove it to me. I'm not saying, well, he's going to bring him to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I don't think the Saints are actually in that boat yet either. But I think it's a little different, though, on a good on a good side for the Saints. A, you're right. Their roster is better than what Tom Brady left behind with the Patriots on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Saints roster is better. And B, their choices have already been in the system. And it's not like Jameis Winston is coming in like Cam Newton and who has literally damaged goods. Like, we, we know he's physically banged up a lot and Jameis is not that way and so I think in, in that sense the Saints have basically prepared themselves uh, for, for this kind of scenario uh, but yeah I am with you uh, he needs to prove it and even uh, you know people who are kind of clamoring for him uh, look they, they there are a lot of people rightfully so who still think of him as this guy who got into a bunch of trouble uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucks off the field accused of some really bad things in college too. And people have not forgotten that. And I understand people that, and that's fair. Like I get it. it you don't have to be in and like him. Uh, I mean, I totally understand that. So, uh, but obviously we see the saints feel comfortable enough with him in that sense to a employ him and B give him a shot at the start job. And, and I would say this, and I think you would agree uh, people with the saints really like Jameis Winston. I mean, He's a very well-liked teammate. His coaches like him. People in the building like him. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about him off the record or on the record since he got here. And I think that's a good sign. I mean, we we both know enough people that work for the Saints or play for the Saints. They'll tell you if the guy is questionable or not, if he's, if he's a shaky personality or something. You don't hear that at all in off-the-record conversations. So I think that's a very positive sign for someone that I really didn't know that much about character wise when he came in here. So I I think they're hanging their hat on a guy uh, that they've seen now operate behind the scenes for a year and learn and be an understudy from Drew Brees. And and that can only, I think, help him mature and become an even better leader than he was before he got here. Well, Jeff, what about Taysom? That's a question. I'm going to write about it next week, but what about Taysom? What happened to, he is the guy, and uh, Sean Payton loves him, and the sat and the other. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if they saw what they saw in his four starts, and thought, okay, he got us through that, but it's only so far he can he can take the scenes. I'm curious their thoughts on that. Yeah, I think they saw enough, and the the question I had with him isn't so much the fumbles. I think those were kind of a little bit of an outlier, you know, uh, the, the ball security issues. You didn't have any of those issues before this season. 
And let's let's be clear, there's a difference between fumbling when you're blindside hit, dropping back to pass on a sack, and fumbling when you're just a ball carrier, which was really most of his fumbles. Right. Uh, but I thought the biggest issue with him was holding the ball too long and not processing some of the downfield throws quicker. I mean, there were a couple of times we both saw, I mean, they had big plays dialed up, and he could have delivered a big play, and he held it just a tick too long, ball gets knocked out. And I think that is the big question with him that Sean Payton saw or the coaching staff saw, and they know that, you know, Jameis Winston's played that position and has more experience at it. But I do think they'll give them a chance to compete. I really do. I just think they understand that, that Jameis Winston maybe has the higher ceiling uh, right now. And it's a pretty good situation with having both those guys been in the offense for a year now. And maybe Taysom continues to play the jack-of-all-trades role if, if he gets beaten out. It's not a bad fallback option. Right. And they're going to bring in a third guy. I mean, there's no question about that. Who it is, whether it's someone they draft or a lower-level quarterback, Trevor Simeon, I don't know. You know, he was around. So, I don't know if he's a guy. I'm just saying they're going to bring in a third guy. No doubt about that. But, but Jeff, when I went and looked, because I did back-to-back days, I did columns on Matthew Stafford and Jameis Winston. And when you kind of balance those guys out, you look at what Stafford is doing now, and he's been – good i'd say for the past say six years five or six years but when you see his stats his first five years compared to Jameis's stats his first five years Jameis was better like almost every year uh, and i think that is something that when you know that quarterbacks are available that and you talk about upside and for people i've talked to even stafford they say they're on even keel right now. So Jameis can play just as well as Stafford right now, but they feel like Jameis can get better. And I, 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 I after doing the research and going side by side, season by season, uh, I understand why they would think that. And they could be right. I mean, Jameis could get better. And, you know, we didn't see – and people always have to remember, we didn't see Drew Brees become this Hall of Fame guy until five or six years into his career and started playing with Sean Payton and being coached by him. So I think I think that's something where I, I, I understand the, the organization's logic. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I understand their logic. And look, you made a great point in your, your column. The Saints don't have to give up anything other than salary to get Jameis Winston. I mean, that's a critical factor here that I think people are forgetting is you got to trade something to get something. So to get Matthew Stafford, the Saints are going to have to either give up uh, you know, draft assets or a player or both. And you don't have to do that with Jameis Winston. And you can have a transition year and see, you know, you can you can sign him to an incentive-laden deal that, you know, it's basically like a one-year deal. And let's see, maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't pan out. And that's what you go through this season. You find out if you're going to be in the long-term quarterback business uh, going forward. But for next season – you're going to ride or die with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, and then you'll you'll go down the road of maybe being in the quarterback market uh, otherwise. It makes a lot of sense to me. How much do you feel like Sean Payton actually relishes all of this? Like he he's up for the challenge. I think it's, you know, he's had good energy ever since he flirted with other teams for two off seasons, and he's kind of been more all in, I'd say. 
after that. How much do you think he's really all in? I really think he is just he is excited to see where this goes. And, you know, people, because they ask me, oh, how long do you think Sean Payton's going to be here? I think he wants to be able to show, hey, we can be great even without Drew Brees. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, look, he, he loves Drew Brees. He'll always be, you know, grateful for his time here. And let, let's, let's be clear about that. But there's definitely a part of him that's ready to move on and start a new chapter. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's had to cobble together, he and the offensive staff, a game plan with the, the physical limitations of Drew Brees the last couple of years. And the playbook's going to open up with Jameis Winston, at quarterback, uh, assuming it's him. Uh, and I think he's looking forward to that. I mean, it's been amazing that they've been as successful as they've been considering how limited they've been at quarterback, especially this year with what we saw, how banged up Drew was. Uh, you know, it was pretty obvious in that game against Tampa that the Saints really couldn't threaten down the field. They had to, you know, go to the gimmick play to get the ball down the field. So I really believe Sean is excited about the next chapter. But I also will say this, Larry, and I think, and it's not just Sean Payton, I think any coach falls into this trap. I think no one in the building is going to understand what they miss in Drew Brees in terms of intangibles until he's out of the building. I think. I think Bill Belichick learned that the hard way this year with Tom Brady. And I think the biggest uh, thing they're going to miss from Drew Brees isn't isn't his quarterback skills. It's his leadership skills. And I think that void that's going to be left by him, no matter who gets the quarterback job, is going to be enormous. And I'm not sure anybody can replace it. You, you and I both know just Drew Brees is revered in that building. And he his presence alone – uh, you know, kind of holds all egos in check. There's all these things that he does just by his uh, reverential, uh, you know, presence that when he's gone, there's going to be a vacuum. And I, I'm not sure that Taysom or Jameis, either one, can step into those shoes in that regard. I don't know if anybody could outside of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you know, someone like that. Right. <laughs> so I, I think anybody would have that challenge. Now, who else maybe would not have that challenge might be Deshaun Watson. And I can understand why you're seeing memes of Deshaun Watson in a Saints jersey. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I totally understand it. Uh, and people have been asking for him, I don't know, for uh, as long as he's even been around. Uh, but let's think back, and I'm really just kind of thinking about this. Remember when the Saints were willing to draft Patrick Mahomes? They weren't willing to draft Deshaun Watson. So I think that's kind of something we gotta we have to remember in all this. But also, Jeff, the cost to get him. I don't think uh, many fans understand what it would cost asset-wise and dollars to get Deshaun Watson. No, I mean, he's got an enormous deal. Well, it's four, four years, $156 million contract, and it's, he's just going to be in the second year of it. So the cap implications alone, I think, make it untenable. Uh, I, I think just the, the timing of this situation for the Saints is a little, uh, you know, bad, right? They're, they're in the quarterback market when all these guys become available, and they're really, they're really up against the cap. And I know that they can make – things work. They're, they're wizards at that. 
within some guidelines. And this contract with Watson is so big and what they'd have to trade. Uh, because, Larry, I think they're obviously going to probably want to extend Ryan Ramchek, maybe, and probably Marshawn Lattimore. You're going to have some big deals on the books here. They're going to have a very uh, top-heavy roster uh, of salary cap-wise with the Mike Thomas deal. Alvin Kamara's not not huge deal, but you got uh, Andres Pete's got a pretty big deal. Ramchek, Ramchek and Lattimore. You're going to have to have some cheap labor in the form of draft picks. So you can't just go trading all these guys away, Willie, all these picks away uh, to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, I just I feel like it doesn't make any sense in any way other than the fact the guy's a winner and a great quarterback and, and the Saints are in the market for that. Yeah, and when you look at, say, potential trades, and let's just say Matthew Stafford and Deshaun Watson. You're trading a first-round pick for Stafford for sure, but your first-round pick is still number 28 this year. And you you probably still have to trade off some more things. Uh, but you, I, I think you could get Stafford for cheaper than what you get for Watson. But And here's the other thing. For Watson, we had a bunch of our writers at The Athletic, and I'm not sure if the story's out yet, but uh, it either will be or it's an idea that was tossed around. All right. A lot of our writers of teams who were interested in Watson put together a trade that would convince the Texans. And I said, all right, let me try with the Saints. And I could not do it. Like, it was, to me, impossible. And I even said, hey, throw in Marshawn Lattimore because he's a, they would need a, a really good corner. It would take money off the cap. And then it's like, how many first-round picks can you trade? da 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 da, da. And yet – all those first-round picks would be later in the draft. It's like, e even if you traded a 2022 first-round pick, if you get Deshaun Watson, it's still going to be late in the draft because you're still going to be good. So I just could not – I was like, I got to bail out of the story. I couldn't do it. And I kept thinking about, okay, teams like the Jets who can trade Sam Darnold and the number two overall pick. And – the Dolphins, they could trade to a tag of Iloa and the number three pick that actually the Texans traded to the Dolphins, which is they've done business together before. And so when you hear those type of deals, the Saints can't get anywhere near that. And so I think that's what people need to realize, despite the talent level of Deshaun Watson. So such a great point. And that's what I don't think anybody ever considers is the other team in the trade. They've got to get the best deal they can get. And the Saints don't have the assets to match up with some of the other competitors. The rival teams just have a better situation. I mean, teams like Houston and Detroit, they're they're basically starting over. They're they're trying to build. So it's not gonna be you know conducive for them to to take a Nick Easton or a Patrick Robinson, you know, some of these names you see thrown in. Andres P like <laughs> yeah, people just throwing in names to get them off the books. I mean, the other teams don't want those kind of assets. So, uh, you know, they're they're looking just like you said, high draft picks, young players. That's what's going to appeal to those two teams. And the Saints, while they have some talented young players, uh, they don't have enough draft capital high in the draft, unfortunately, because they've been good. Yeah, now, if they wanted to draft a quarterback and trade assets to move up, they could do that. I mean, we saw them last year, uh, well, 2018, 
They really liked Marcus Davenport, who is another subject for uh, another podcast because it's three years in and it's judgment day for those guys. And they went from 27 to 14. And let's see, they traded what their one, uh, obviously their pick that year and then a one for the next year. So, I mean, the cost to move up with that, if they loved a quarterback, they could, they could do that say Trey Lance or if they really liked Mac Jones or Justin Fields, I don't think they're going to be able to get anywhere near Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's obvious. And then Zach Wilson, I think he's going to go above those other ones. So that would be a route. If they wanted to go that route, they could use the cost there, but to go get one of these veterans who are proven, it costs you even more than what you would do in the draft. And you know, you, you just mentioned some guys that um, I find appealing one thing that I think Sean Payton really wants in his next quarterback, whether it's Jameis, Taysom, or any of these guys we've talked about, I think he wants somebody that can move, that can threaten, not necessarily as a runner, uh, but he needs he wants mobility. I, I think the league is changing, Larry. I, I think the days of these straight drop-back quarterbacks, uh, you know, how many times do we hear Sean talk about uh, we live in an imperfect world in the NFL. It's, it very rarely do we have a perfect pocket that you can just sit back there and throw the ball. And I think uh, that that asset, that trait, is something he really wants in his next quarterback. And, and look, both guys they have on the roster right now can do it. And I think whoever, if they use a draft pick or make a trade, I think it's going to be somebody that can move around a little bit more because I think the days of Brady and Breeze and that group, They'll still be around. They'll still be effective in the NFL, but the league's changing. We see it before our eyes right now. You mean my guy from Florida, Kyle Trask, aka uh, Drew Bledsoe, who can't move? I've got. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to sour on him. I know my love for that guy. It's uh, it's taken a bit of a dip. <laughs> I, I like him. I, I like him. Player. He's accurate. That guy can't move. Um, it's it's hard to watch him try to run out of pocket against college teams. It's like oh. Like I, I yeah, had, he's kind of like a Matt Ryan a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Except he's he's probably going the third or fourth round. So, uh, my uh, my my love for Kyle Trask is fading, unfortunately. I think he's a good player. What about Mac Jones? All I've been hearing and reading about this week at the Senior Bowl that he has been lighting it up, like he is head and shoulders above everyone, and that is someone you know that Sean Payton's going to look really hard at because he might he. He could be around in, say, the 15s and the 20s. That is someone they are going to have to study big time. My thing with him is I've never seen him stressed. So I don't know how, if if the pressure's on, if he's getting heat uh, from opposing defenses, how he reacts. Because it just feels like to me he's never under pressure and he's always just throwing to talented guys who get open and, and he makes him look great. So I don't know, but there's no question they're going to be looking at him. There's no doubt. Yeah, you, you got to think that the New England Patriots would be looking at him. Big time. I would think. Yeah. You know, coming from Saban's, you know, tree makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I like Mac Jones. I mean, I think he's got all those intangibles, too, that Peyton really, really values at the position. Just a matter of can they go up to get him because I don't think he's going to last to the end of the first round. Yeah, Nothing his stock is jumping. I, I, I agree. Uh, this week helps, and then he's going to look good everywhere else. And like I said, everything I keep reading from the Senior Bowl, that that is something that Mac Jones' stock is just from because of meetings and the coaching staffs that are there. I mean, look, Carolina's there. 
they're probably in the in the market for a quarterback. Maybe they fall in love with this guy. I don't know. So they're they're getting a firsthand look, and all the the, the reports are, uh, are are looking good for Mac Jones. But uh, look, Jeff, this is a subject that we are going to be watching and writing through all off season. All into the season because it, it's going to be an unknown. Whoever gets the job, this is, it's still going to be an unknown and something that you and me haven't dealt with since what? I've covered the team since 2006, so I've only known Breeze as a starter. You've at least covered some other years where it's, uh, you know, you covered Archie and you covered all these people. I'm just kidding. You didn't really cover Archie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dating me there. I'll tell you one thing, though, that I do think a little bit of an underrated factor here. They're going to have a new quarterback coach. I mean, Joe Lombardi has been the quarterback coach for 12 of 15 seasons. The only other quarterback coaches they've had were Mike New, who's now the head coach at Ball State, just won the MAC championship, by the way, did a great job. And Pete Carmichael was the quarterback's coach year one at Peyton and Breeze. So I think that's a little bit of a sneaky hire they've got to make. I mean, they've had the same guy coaching these quarterbacks and uh, I know Sean Payton, as much emphasis as he puts on the quarterback position, having played it, uh, that's a big hire. And I, I just saw where Mark Brunel got hired by Dan Campbell up in Detroit. I thought he might be a, a kind of like an under-the-radar candidate because he'd been coaching down in uh, Jacksonville area. So it'll be interesting to see who they bring in at that position because I know it's a, it's a key one because Joe was more than a quarterback's coach, as you know. I mean, he was heavily involved in the offensive game planning, he was, uh, you know, every bit of his, as important an asset in that uh, meeting room as Pete Carmichael and Sean Payton. And then you also lost Dan Campbell, who was heavy in the run game plan, uh, putting that together with Dan Rushar. So, you know, you lost two key guys in their offensive game plan uh, production that they've got to replace. And, and I know this week, uh, Larry, the, the coaches are all basically off. Uh, Sean Payton's down in Cabo right now on vacation. So there, there's not going to be any, any movement on the coaching front probably until next week, until they all get back in the office and start, uh, uh, you know, con- uh, arranging interviews and stuff. So I wouldn't expect any news on that till next week. Yeah, a lot of jobs to fill. Uh, a lot of good coaches that have exited, deservedly so, gotten promotions and nature of the business. Uh, you know, it kind of feels like, LSU without the championship with the exodus. So, uh, well, that's <laughs> that's kind of the nature of it. So, all right, Jeff, well, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder podcast. Of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Jump on there. You can obviously listen to our podcast, every podcast that they have in The Athletic, and all of the written word for every market in America, in Canada, in the UK, across the world. You get all of that with your subscription uh, or if you just want to listen to pods, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million about the Duncan Holder podcast. So, all right, for Jeff, I'm Larry. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.